Welcome to episode 206 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to tell you again about another podcast that I co-host with my friend Jess McCauley. It's called The Introvert's Guide 2, and on that show, Jess and I talk about being an introvert in what sometimes seems like an extrovert's world. We choose a topic, discuss our experiences with that topic, and we also find advice from social media and from the internet. So check it out. You can find it on Google or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And you can see regular posts from Jess and I on Twitter and Instagram at IntrovertGuide2, the number two, or at IntrovertsGuide2.com. And while we're talking about contact info, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. And you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And my website is PhilRickaby.com. With the Canadian federal election only a couple of weeks away... Common Boots Theatre, in association with Nightwood Theatre and Theatre Direct, presents The Election, which follows a group of theatre artists as they volunteered for local candidates in the 2015 federal election. Their experiences form the story for The Election, which asks, among other things, do we have a voice and does it count? The election runs from October 9th to 27th at Theatre Passe in Toronto. So we're going to be talking about the election, not the election, the ele- but uh, I guess also the election, but also the play, the election. It gets so confusing. It's so meta it's right so now. Meta. It's so meta. It's so difficult to keep track. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously we knew that an election was coming because now elections happen on October 21st. It seems that way, yeah. That's the, that's the, the, that, was the, that was the new law that was passed um, by the the uh, the Harper Conservatives, and that, right. so that's that's the schedule that we're going to be on. So we knew that an election was coming. And at what point did you decide to to do a a play about the election? The election. Uh, well, <clears throat> it wasn't my decision. Um, Jennifer Bruin, who is the artistic director of Common Boots Theater, mm-hmm. um, she called me in twenty. 15 in the summer and said, uh, you know, I want to do a play about the 2015 federal election. Do you want to come on board? Uh, you can be the head writer. We'll do a collective creation mm-hmm. and we're going to put you all in different writings across <clears throat> the country. And okay. I was like, sure, great. I'm in. Didn't really think about what a ginormous task <laughs> that would be, but so I blame Jennifer Bruin for everything, but uh, yeah, in the end, because of financial restraints, we ended up just going around uh, Ontario. Mm-hmm. But we were we were in sort of rural, suburban, mm-hmm. and urban ridings in conservative, NDP, and liberal mm-hmm. um, campaigns. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of us. There was a bunch of different actors. And then I was tasked with <coughs> the you know the, putting it all together. Putting it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't know if we thought it would be, take us until the next federal election to write it. Like, I don't think that was, it was never the plan. It wasn't like, oh, yes, it'll be, you know, perfectly timed. But four years in the making. Four, four years yeah. in the making. But it was. I mm. mean, everyone had careers. And so it was something we were doing yeah. kind of on and off. Um, but it did take that time. It was a lot of material to sift through. And yeah. then it kind of took some different permutations in terms of process. And Yolanda Bonal came on as a co-writer. She was always part of the collective, Mm -hmm. um, but she took a greater role as a co-writer. And um, yeah, then we find ourselves here. Yeah. Yeah. What riding did you go to? I was in Nipissing Tamiskaming in Northern Ontario. Okay. Um, I was... Also, uh, just outside of Sudbury, and I was also helping Charlie Angus a little bit mm-hmm. in uh, Timmins James Bay. So Timmins James Bay and Nipissing Tamiskaming are right next to each other, mm-hmm. so we shared an office. So I was helping out his his campaign as well. And how long were you there? How long were you were you like following this this campaign? So I think I went up early September, mm-hmm. and I stayed until the. Until a few days after the election. Okay. So it was it was almost two months. And I was, you know, working full time, seven days a week, <clears throat> living with people. So I was the most full time. Other people were yeah. kind of in Toronto and Scarborough and um, Markham. And they were doing a little bit more um, part time. But I was like fully embedded and fully committed. What surprised you the most about... about uh, a campaign or the campaign that you were with. I think it surprised me how <clears throat> obsessive and partisan I became. Like really? I just got super mm. hooked. I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I've always been an NDP supporter, mm-hmm. so it wasn't a stretch, but I was just desperate to win. And we were not winning and we did not win. But <clears throat> I, you know, right up until the last moment, there's that hope yeah. in hell that maybe you're going to pull it out of thin air and you're going <clears> to <throat> win. And just that kind of... The obsession that when you're working full time on a campaign and you just you just have to believe you have to believe so fully. If you don't, I mean, why would you? Why are you doing it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. So I get. I totally get that. Um, at what point did you realize how much you drank the Kool Aid? Like, was it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it was like maybe looking at. Had my Facebook posts afterwards and being like, wow, I was just like in there. Mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. like hating on Trudeau and I was just mm-hmm. obsessively, I was so upset mm-hmm. that that people had decided that this was the progressive choice. And because if you remember in 2015, the NDP were leading in the polls. Yes. So yeah. it was a it was an abrupt turnaround of fortunes. Yes. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of realized, and also I think some of my coworkers were like, wow, we thought you were here to write a play, and now you're just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but, you know, it was inter- it was good for me to feel that, that passionate about mm-hmm. it, and to understand what, because you really, yeah, you're working for, you're either volunteering, or you're working for, you know, zero, very little money, yeah. and you're, and people donate so much time and energy to these things, yeah. and it's really important to people, and that's, amazing yeah to the people it's important to and yes there's loads of people yeah for whom it's not important i can imagine that that other people may have had similar experiences while embedded with other campaigns yeah i think most people got quite connected whether it was to their local Mm. uh candidate even you know our 
our, you know, amazing conservative guy mm-hmm. who was, you know, not a conservative. It's very hard to find a conservative actor out yes, there. Yes, yeah. Uh, but he went there and he gave it his all and it was, you know, and he, although he was not, he did not drink the Kool-Aid, he, I think he did feel a sort of tenderness for sure. his candidate mm. and just how much it takes, how much it takes out of you yeah. to, to do something like that. Now, did you guys choose specific candidates, or did you sort of send out feelers to say who will let us tag along? Most of the people were not informed, except for mm-hmm. um, except for our my writing. Mm-hmm. Most people, it was more like, "Oh, can we volunteer?" Yes, we need you to volunteer. Oh, okay, so, okay. Uh, and it was kind of, I don't really, we we were trying to recall this, you know. It, in a way, it was kind of slightly arbitrary it was like where people had connections to uh two of the people that were in scarborough scarborough and markham it was sort of their where they grew up mm-hmm. so they were kind of going back to their hometowns sure. a bit. Yeah. um for one of them you know it was a tamil candidate mm. in the tamil a really tamil uh, uh many Tamil people live in that riding and he was Tamil and he was, but there were two Tamil candidates. And so he was kind of curious. Mm. I can't remember whether he was curious or we were like, Oh, maybe this would be interesting. And yeah. then that was a really rich discovery for mm. him. The comp- many complications sure. of that. Um, but yeah, sometimes it was out of a hat and sometimes it was kind of to do with people's backgrounds yeah. and mm. where they were from. Now, once you've got all of this, once the election is over, are people taking notes and they're sending them to you? Or are you guys all like sort of like getting together and doing a massive brain dump or? Both. Yeah. We did a a bunch of meetings where we just talked about our experiences and hashed out different issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had also everyone journaled the whole time that they were there. So... After a few sessions, I went out to Banff, and I was lucky enough to get to go to the Playwrights Lab. Nice. Um, and I kind of went up with all this material and was like, oh, my God, what do I do with this? Yeah. So um, Brian Court was there. He's a dramaturg who <clears throat> runs that mm-hmm. uh, center, and he was like, just write two scenes for every character. And so I, I kind of just started from there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really... A really useful experience for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I started, and it's it's kind of gone all over the place. Um, but we would get together and we would workshop whatever mm. text I had, and then people would make comments, and we would it kind of slowly evolved through that process. Yeah. And then we had we had a we would have sometimes chunks of workshop time, and and then. Yeah. Now, are all the people who are sort of uh, involved in this, people who were in the writings, they're also the actors who are going to be performing this? Two of them are, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Anand Rajaram mm-hmm. and uh, Courtney Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qasem Khan, who is another of the actors, he is currently in uh, Stratford, so he couldn't be part of mm-hmm. it. And Yolanda Bonell, who became more of a co-writer, mm-hmm. she was just starring in the NAC's Indigenous Theatre's inaugural. Okay. Uh, a natural and incidental woman, mm-hmm. so she couldn't be in the play. But we have uh, incredible other actors who've joined in mm-hmm. to fill out the cast. So we have Joelle Peters, who's who's incredible, um, Rose Stella, Rachel Cairns, and Augusto Bitter. Mm-hmm. So okay. they've all come on at very. It kind of staggered. Yeah. Um, 
and have become part of the creation process as well. <clears throat> so you're you've, you've got this play that is um, taking place during the 2015 election. Yes. As we are going into the uh, 2019 election, um, and so does that. Does the current election inform what you're doing, or is it more of a, a, a look back at? What happened in the 2015? It's, we kind of see it as a period piece, mm -hmm. right? a really recent period piece, mm -hmm. in the sense that if we are, I think if we are really authentic to what was going on at that time, but also curate it really specifically, mm -hmm. it will resonate in different ways. And we found that, you know, as each kind of wave of new, um, events come in this election mm. or in, in the year years preceding the mm. election as well like you you hear different things or you see things in different ways yeah. so i mean of course it influences us as we keep because you know it's a new play and then we continue to work on it mm. so those things influence us but but it i think yeah, I think it's about how we hear things differently mm. than we heard them then, and yeah. what, yeah, what, what looking back and thinking about like wh where were we then, and yeah. and where are we now, and how much has changed in four years. Yeah, you the the project. It sounds like a massive thing to put together. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had to work on something that has this kind of scale to it and this much behind it to create a play? <sighs> No, not at all. I've, uh, well, I mean, my first play was <laughs> about, you know, the Israel-Palestinian conflict and had six actors mm -hmm. and four musicians. So it was, it was not a small, right. small undertaking either. And that actually Jennifer Bruin <clears throat> directed that. So mm -hmm. I think potentially that's why she thought of me. She's like, this this young woman is not scared of <laughs> diving into complicated things. Mm -hmm for better or for worse, but, um, yeah, uh, I think, no, this is much bigger than anything I've ever done. It's much more supported by theater companies than mm -hmm. anything. I've always produced my own work. So this is the first time <coughs> for me that a theater, com theater, a bunch of theater mm -hmm. companies are on board to help produce something. Yeah. And, uh, <coughs> it's, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. Can I ask how that came together? Cause I, there, there's a lot of companies involved in, in, in this particular uh, production. So how does that, did you, who brought them together? Who brought all the companies together? That was Jennifer in Common Boots. Okay. Yeah, she, it's such a big thing that she knew she needed kind of a village to raise this play. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she got, she, she uh, Common Boots had partnered with um, Nightwood before with mm -hmm. The Public Servant and... Um, Pas, you know, Pasamurai is known for its partnerships. And I mean, I think it happens more and more in the city these days mm -hmm. that uh, <clears throat> plays are, are ushered in by at least more than one. Yeah. Not quite as many as ours. No, I don't, usually see, I don't usually see <laughs> as many as yours. Four, but, yeah, yeah. Um, usually I, I, I two, do often yeah. see two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a big group. But it's been amazing, actually, mm -hmm. because everyone brings different skills and tools and Nightwood's amazing and Theatre Direct is amazing with uh, bringing in young audiences mm -hmm. and Theatre Passamari has their own, I mean, they have their beautiful space mm -hmm. as well and incredible technicians and 
Yeah, I mean, everyone has their own skill sets, and it's yeah. so that's been a good collaboration. Mm. Do you see that the, this this having because sometimes with with some shows lean, lend themselves a little bit more to um, not just the the uh, the evening theater goer, but also school groups and things like that. Is this is this also is that a component as well, bringing school groups in to to see it, or is that yeah. something completely separate? I mean, I hadn't thought of it as mm. a TYA show, but I do think, like, it's definitely, you know, for students that are learning about our electoral process mm. and all the complications, um, you know, this play dives right into Indigenous sovereignty mm. and, um, you know, issues around identity politics and racism and... Um, you know, and and also why we vote and how we how we mm. how we go about our particular brand of democracy. Yeah. So and the the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I think it is. Uh, yeah, I th- I'm really excited. And when we did do it, Studio 180 helped us out with a, a workshop, an in development workshop, mm. and they brought they always bring um, students to whatever show they're workshopping. And I was really excited. You know, I wasn't totally terrified. I was like sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. white knuckled because students are the most honest audience you'll ever get. Mm-hmm. And yeah, their responses were were interesting, just that they were engaged with it. They were mm. surprised by the humor of it. Mm. There's a lot of music I wanted to add yeah. in the show okay. and they and they, you know, really loved that. And they also they were I think they were ready to meet those those crunchy political ideas and and you know talk about them so yeah. that was that was I'm, I'm excited i think students are the best yeah audiences i sometimes think in terms of our electoral process and, and getting out and voting and things like that i would think that as we get older we get further away from the civic lessons that we had when we were in school we almost forget about how the system actually works mm. in a lot of ways and how parliament works and all that stuff and i think um, it's good to have reminders, especially during elect- the election season, about like how do these things work? How does the election work, and, and all those? And things. how do campaigns work? Because two things, mm. like what are they doing? Like why are they calling you all the time? You yeah. Know, what are what are they? Why do they? You know, all these things that can just seem kind of annoying, but you're like people are are doing a lot of things, and and unless you're part of that process, it can kind of be mm-hmm. a bit opaque. So yeah. I do think it's fun to pull the curtain yeah. away a bit and dig into w- to what what's happening on yeah. an, on a nitty-gritty level because we all kind of know what the what Justin Trudeau is up to mm-hmm. and Jagmeet Singh's up to and stuff but what what are people what are the foot soldiers doing what are the door knockers doing what yeah. are the people that are that are not getting paid and that are <coughs> are are dedicating a lot of hours yeah to our civic not just on the phones like sometimes like waking up super early to stand outside of a subway station yeah. and like or loblaws i saw people standing outside of a loblaws just sort of like with a candidate just trying to get people's yeah. attention it's really yeah. a lot that goes into stuff yeah yeah and um yeah and that's it's kind of the unsung heroes i think that was what jennifer jennifer grew up in a family that 
you know, had been part of the CFC before it became the NDP mm-hmm. and, you know, had been, her family had been part of campaigns for her entire life and she'd always been the kid in the campaign rooms. Mm. And so, and many times they, almost always they lost and so yeah. every now and then they would win, but that, you know, I think that those unsung heroes are part yeah. of, are part of this story. And it's not just the people that are elect that are in the in the campaign too it's people who decide to work outside of the system but are but are invested in in these ideas yeah. and being part of civic life yeah yeah um i want to talk a little bit about about you as a, as a playwright and a theater artist um when when did you first start being interested in in theater so i grew up in the theater world my dad is um a director and actor mm-hmm. and playwright himself. My mom ran Nightwood Theater, funnily okay. enough, uh, for six years in the 80s. Mm-hmm. She was the artistic director. Um, so I grew up in the hallways of Nightwood, which was then in a warehouse on, like, Adelaide, off of Adelaide. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, it was kind of in my blood. It was kind of... I don't think I really knew, like, I don't, I didn't have a good idea of what else to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I was yeah. just sort of like, oh, yeah, then you become an actor. And uh, so, yeah, I started acting. I was at, I was in a production of the Scottish play at YPT starring mm-hmm. Rick Roberts. Okay. Um, amongst other amazing people uh, when I was nine. And then I kept acting as a child for a while and paid my way through university through my acting money. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then I went to NTS. And so, yeah, but at a certain point, I realized that uh, I, I really wanted to be in control of the story mm. and have you know, you never in control of the story in theater because there's so many voices at the table, but to be, to be part of that team who, who is creating the ideas and framing it and Mm -hmm. carving it. And yeah, yeah, that was where my passion lay. So I still, I still act, but for me, writing and creating are, are much more where I'm interested in. Yeah. I, I, I definitely get that. That's sort of like for me where, that's what I'm more interested in as well. Like the, uh, to write and, and, and perform and create the theater to me that, that excites me a little bit more than, than just jobbing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. something a little bit more satisfying to me. Well, I mean, as an actor, you can get those satisfying, um, moments, mm-hmm. but you're often at the mercy of what, how people see you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, do they, I always played children. Mm-hmm. I could never like get. I think I maybe. I think I the last role I did was maybe like twenty five, and I was super excited. Mm-hmm. I was like, I made it. <laughs> I've grown up. Uh, but like, yeah, you're really at the mercy of of other people's interpretations, and yeah. and for me, for me, voice my own voice mm-hmm. and and what I want to talk about and. Um, and being able to share that with like-minded artists and cl- collaboration is is really exciting to yeah. me. Uh, so that that's where I'm. That's where I'm. That's what makes me excited about it. Were you always writing through all those years of acting, or was is that something that you you sort of like came to a little later on? I was always writing. Like looking looking back, I would always be kind of writing something, but mm-hmm. it was. 
you know, little film scripts or ideas or, yeah, whatever they were, poetry. But it was at NTS when we we had to do a solo show, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, like a 25-minute solo show. Okay. Was it fifteen minutes? I don't remember, but we had to do a solo show, and it was it was at that point when I was like, oh, because at NTS, yeah, the acting program, something wasn't, and it never totally jived. Like I, I mean, NTS is so intense, anyways. Yeah. It's like ninja school or something. But I just, I was like, <clears throat> it's not quite right. But when I did my solo show and I was performing my own words, mm. and I, I was like, oh, okay. This is this is what it is. Like this is the feeling that I've been looking for. Yeah. So that is what clarified my path. But yeah. you know, it's easier not I mean in many ways it was I mean it's not easier to mm. get money as a playwright than no. an actor. Yeah. So I mean I've been, you know, doing and I think it's yeah. also good I think it's great as a playwright to have acted because you know what it's like in the trenches. Sure, like if absolutely. You're, if you're a playwright that's never acted, no offense to brilliant playwrights who've never acted, it's hard to know what it feels like to be given a text that is not playable. Yes, or, yeah. You know, it's, I think the same of directors too. Like it's good, like actors are also those people that are on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're out there yeah. and so vulnerable and so magnificent. And so I think having having that knowledge is, is only helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember what what that solo play was that you wrote at NTS? Yeah. It was called in the beginning. No, 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 no. That was a different play. Um, it was called, we lived in a palace Mm -hmm. and it was also a play about grief because my little brother had Mm -hmm. died. Um, Mm -hmm. he had died the year before. So it was, you know, it was kind of crazy looking back on it that I was, I was really in, still in a lot of shock, but it was a play about shock and grief and all sorts of things. And it really, um, I guess for me, it was a way of addressing it rather than bottling it up Mm -hmm. and a way of, of, I don't know. It was really, it was really powerful. I had never wanted to use theater as therapy, but then I was like, but also why not? Like yeah. I can't, because also other people feel grief and go through grief and having spaces to talk about these human emotions are really important. Yeah. So it was important for me. And, and as a, sometimes I also do, um, education. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> Um, I do, I, I, I really like, I really like doing theater with young people, mm-hmm. uh, collective creations. Generally I've done paprika and mm-hmm. for cahoots, I've done crossing Gibraltar, um, different programs that give access to young people to, to create their own work. And I think it's, I, I just, I, I'm so impressed at how brave those kids are mm-hmm. sharing their stories. They, they are. You know, and it's and it and it's really p- empowering. So, yeah. I I think about that moment of how empowering it was for me at a mm-hmm. time when I was really like, I was just like, I don't think I can be on stage anymore. Um, I really didn't want to be seen. I really, it was really hard to kind of mm-hmm. keep going in the middle of my theater school training. Yeah. And but uh, but but finding a voice for for those feelings was a big part of transforming that. 
I think there's a, there's definitely a certain amount of catharsis in 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 pouring. I think any writer would tell you that they, that they're they're putting some of themselves, even if it's like straight up fiction, and you can't even you don't know what's behind this fantasy story that you're yeah. seeing, but they're putting themselves into it in some way, and 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 grief is a thing that that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about, and so I know when. When I was going through uh, a lot of grief in the past, it was hard to talk to people about it. People didn't know how to talk to me about it, and it made them uncomfortable. And the only way for me to deal with it, ultimately, was to channel it into into writing. I, I really relate to that experience. I, I ended up, the, the play that I had forgotten wasn't the play that mm. I was talking about. It was a play I made with... Um, Another girl in my class, after that play, mm. we, we collaborated on a piece together called In the Beginning, a short piece on life and death in the Montreal Fringe. We did mm. it for Fringe, and it was all really inspired by the fact that we felt like grief was such a big taboo and no mm-hmm. one was talking about it. And yeah, and that's still the case. I mean, I, I see people, I see people talking about it more. I see, I've, I've been really inspired by some people on social media, like really documenting yeah. their their yeah. and and you know while i find so- social media such a complicated platform mm-hmm. i do think it's so important because of because of those ways that yeah like I, I mean there were so many people that just never said sorry to hear that your brother died because they were just too scared to acknowledge it too scared that i would like burst into tears yeah. and i was like actually it's way more it's like i feel like i'm I'm living in a surreal horror movie when no yeah. one just like acknowledges it. Cause then I'm like, yeah. where are we? What happened? Like, um, so you learn a lot from grief for, you yeah. know, and it's not a lesson you want to learn, no. but, but you, you do learn a lot. I was talking with a, a friend of mine and when she was going through her grief that eventually became a, a solo play, it was compounded. And as was mine by the fact that it was, a, it was a suicide as well. Mm. Which is another thing that we don't talk about. And so people are uncomfortable talking about um, just grief in general. When you add on the stigma of, of suicide, that thing that people don't even really say. Mm. Like, we don't say suicide. We might say, they, they, they die by suicide. Yeah. You, know, you say it so softly that, that it, there's, like, um, there's so much shame tied up in it. And I think that's why both of our plays that we ended up creating had that as, as a part of it just to try to get, not just deal with it, but also talk about it. Yeah. Because yeah. again, we don't talk about grief. We don't talk about suicide. These are things that, that sort of fester underneath. And if we yeah. don't talk about them, <clears throat> how do we, how do we ultimately start dealing with them? Yeah. I felt like by talking about it, I made it not like, a, a scary monster that lived under the ta- table. You mm-hmm. know, I made it something that was part of my life. Yeah. That was, I, you know, that I could say this, that we could have this conversation without yes. me just like shaking or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes it, it integrates it because, you know, it's, it is scary. It's terrifying. And yeah. suicide, the death of a young child, like yeah. these are things that people yeah, they really freak people out, and and yeah. fair enough. But 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 they also happen to many people, and yeah. and it, and I think that's that theater is such a great place 
to be in communion around things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're in the same room. I mean, (laughs) you know, it can be, it can be really hard, but you're in the same room and you get to talk about things and, and, uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's good. Yeah. Do you remember um, when you were performing that mm-hmm. show at NTS the first time, what was it like to get up and actually say those words in front of people? I'm trying to remember exactly. I remember afterwards it was liberating. Like yeah. I felt like, I felt Also because it had gone well and it's the scariest thing Mm -hmm. ever to put something out and having people say like, great job is you're just like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But, uh, what was it like? It was, it was scary and it was, and it was, but it was also the only, the other thing I realized, I was like, this is what I'm thinking about. Like I was tasked to make a, solo show and you know i was like well what else am i going to write about like exactly yeah you know i don't know that was like (laughs) it's like the only thing that 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 i care about at the you know so it was it maybe it also just felt like authentic because Mm. it was it was what was really happening you know so much of the time we're in plays or we're talking about things and you're like all right i kind of care about this or it's sort of relevant (laughs) but yeah you know, and I feel that way when I'm when I'm working on something where I'm like, these are the things I'm talking about anyways. These yeah. are what are the, my obsessions, what I'm talking to my best friends about. And, yeah. and that's, I feel a real relief when I'm working on projects like that, that coincide with my, my actual, my real life obsessions. I think that is the advantage to, to, to uh, being able to write and self-produce in some way, like, because then you can actually channel whatever it is that you're obsessed with at this moment yeah. into the play that 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 is there instead of having to work on something that somebody else is obsessed. Is obsessed with. Yeah. You know, it's great to be able to take the things yeah. that you are super passionate about and put them out. Yeah, out there. it's yeah. amazing. It's really, it's really lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And when when you started to when you started to write and. You were still, I mean, you, you were still acting, you're still doing that sort of stuff. Um, but that was the, the writing was when you were sort of like, now this is the thing. Well, this, yeah, I was like, now this is the thing. But then of course, as an actor, like, I mean, I just got out of theater school too. Mm. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to be auditioning. I'm going to give this a shot. Like who knows? And, um, so, and then you get something and it's so, if you have, if you do book things, you know, it's so hard to say no, because it's just like, you're, I mean, <clears throat> acting is just the worst. You're just like, yeah. you're so, it's just so gratifying when someone's like, you booked it. And you're like, thank God. I mean, it's just, it's, you're really, you're really on the line. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I find it, I, maybe for me too, it's just. It's such an emotional roller coaster. So, anyways, yeah. I would get things and I would get distracted and yeah. and stuff. And but then I so I had written that and then I at theater school and then I did it again as part of a summer works double bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a while I was kind of just auditioning and working at a video store in Toronto. 
And then I was kind of unhappy, and I was like, I'm going to go to on birthright and go to Israel and Palestine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to write a solo show about it. Um, and I tried to get some grants, and no one gave them to me because uh, <laughs> probably because I didn't know how to write grants at that time. Uh, not that everyone gives them to me always now, but still. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, I went on birthright. I went to Israel and Palestine, and then that was when I ended up writing that six. I came back and I was like, "It shall not be a solo show. It shall be a six-person play with four live musicians. <laughs> everyone will produce it." Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you get an idea of what a play is going to be, and then when you start writing it, you're like, "Nope, I nope. was wrong." Yeah, I was yeah. totally wrong. I was totally <laughs> wrong. I was like, "Okay, there's." Yeah, it was, but also. It was, yeah. I think I had been, like, a lot of actors when they start writing, to from the perspective of an actor, Mm -hmm. you're writing a show to to act in and to perform in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was great because as the show evolved, I was realized I get to just be the writer. Mm -hmm. I get to to write this whole play that, um, this whole world that I'm not in and that I get to be in rehearsals and see it from all these angles and collaborate with the director Mm -hmm. and I get to really have a different angle on it. So that was my first play that I wasn't in was the, it was called the peacemaker and I self-produced it for, for the next stage festival. And, and that, I think that was when my feelings were confirmed because when like we had a sold out audience and people were laughing and I was like, Oh, this is actually the best feeling I've ever yes. felt. <clears throat> like <clears throat> it didn't compare to, to being on stage in that moment, like fe- sure. sitting in the audience of my work and feeling those things. I was like, this is actually, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. So huh. it, it's, I know very recently I was I was performing a, a solo show that I wrote and I'm listening to you talk, talk about like being able to collaborate with with the director as the author and I'm like yeah that would have been nice <laughs> yeah. but like I was an actor at that point like I set like this deadline of like after this I'm, I'm not writing it anymore yeah. and so there's I the, that collaboration can't happen after that yeah it's so much harder <clears throat> to be writer actor I, I've I've continued to do it mm-hmm. the a play that I created with my friend Rima Jabber is that we're called Two Birds, One Stone. We're actually going to Kitchener um, on Wednesday mm. to do it at Impact Festival. Um, so we were both, we created it and are in it. And it, you know, it was just based on our lives. And so it was, yeah. it was just us. And yeah. So it didn't really make any, make sense to have other people do it. And we just wanted to make something together and it turned into what it turned into. But it was super hard because you're trying to be creator, but then as an actor, at a certain point, you have to let go of the whole. You have yeah. to really trust uh, your director and everyone else to just shape it, and that's very hard to do when you're also the the writer. Yeah, so yeah. It is. I feel for you. It's <clears throat> no, it was, it's, it's it's hard to do. It's hard. It's also as the person who wrote it, it is like you're saying. It's hard to just sort of like not want to rewrite it yeah and not be like oh i can i can actually go back and i can yeah, fix yeah. this problem yeah, yeah. by rewriting it and having the director go no no yeah, yeah, no. no we just have to make this work it's right you yeah. just have to figure it out yeah yeah changing from that writer brain to that actor brain because it's a different it's a different brain and it's yeah. hard it's hard to let go yeah you're it always is. like oh I'm... yeah i also found it a lot harder to learn 
the words than I thought it would be. Right. Yeah. It was like, I wrote this. It'll be easy. Yeah. I know. It's never easy. It's never easy. <laughs> it's never easy. There's no workarounds. It's always hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, did, what did all of these other writing projects teach you? And what was different about writing those than writing the election? Well, writing the election has been you know, like shepherding a lot of different stories. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it without all those other, other experiences of creating and collaborating. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm trying to think specifically what, what they taught me. I mean, yeah, I think collaborating, Mm -hmm. uh, collaboration, I've done a lot of collaborations with with my in terms of collaborative writing with my friend Rima. Uh-huh. I I I wrote a web series with a friend. I recently collaborated with my mom on a piece. Um and just you know I I it's a I don't always I'm not always right and that's that's okay and that's great. Like that's that's really good so and sometimes i'll i'll fight to the death for what i think is right in that in that moment but then i'll go home and i'll sleep on it and i'll be like no you were right (laughs) so just yeah i guess like i but i think that's what's great about that too is that that is the meat of this play is the ability to argue and hold your opinion and be passionate about it and then be like i might not be right and and if we can or i might not be fully right like that mm-hmm. there is nuance and you know in all of our opinions so it is i think it's great that this is this play is a collaboration because yeah. it speaks to the content of, of what it is as well i, I think mm-hmm. it would be it would be hard for it to just be me but i think it needed a shepherd so yes. i think you know because it could be anything it's so big yes. so it did yeah. need someone to be like all right I'll shape I'll shape all of this into something and then here and then here we go and 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 we're not there yet so it's it's to be discovered what exactly it will come out. Now when you said when you say that you're not there yet are you is it when do we rehe- have rehearsals started? Yes. yes. We're in rehearsals but I just mean like we're still we're st- I'm still doing some rewrites. Mm. We're still discovering a lot about what um the music is and there's a chorus, a choral element, and who they are, uh, what they have to say about mm-hmm. it, and you know, there's just so much. It's a new place, so we're we're in the rehearsal room, and it's it's very much yeah. <laughs> ongoing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it was collab. It's been collaborative all the way through. So at some at some point, it it, it seems to me that that adding actors would not remove that no. collaboration. It would sort of like explode the collaboration outwards yeah 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 totally and and some of the the actors are you know the initial collaborators and so some of it's based on their stories and so you know we're we're figuring out the best and most complicated way to 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 tell those stories and trying Mm -hmm. to be as rigorous as possible uh and we have some some really brilliant minds on the case. Mm. So that gives me a lot of faith. What was the most surprising thing about putting this show together? 
know. Um, what was the most surprising thing about putting this show together? Can you talk about about that question a bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, whenever we go into a project, we often have some kind of assumption about what it's going to be or, or how it might go or or something like that. And then as, as we put, as you put the project together, um, maybe it shifts, something mm-hmm. changes. Okay. Um, or you, there's a discovery that, that you're like, I never would have thought of that. Well, great. Thank you. Um, so one thing that has been an evolving element, um, as I was saying, there's this chorus yeah. in it. And it was funny because early on in the process, I was like, I think there's a Greek chorus. But then it kind of disappeared, and I was like, oh, it's easier not to have a Greek chorus. So great, I won't have a Greek chorus. But then um, we have this incredible uh, collaborator in Alex Balmer, who's a co-artistic director of Common Boots Theatre. She's a blind theatre maker, and uh, she has been contributing to this process Um as a accessibility dramaturg. Mm-hmm. And so I had done a workshop with her called Blind Imaginings where where we were talking about decentering sight in the process. And voice had always been a huge metaphor. The, the vocal score was mm-hmm. inspired by the idea of voice and um, singing as a metaphor, singing mm-hmm. and speaking as a metaphor for voice. So there was so much of, it was very vocal heavy anyways. And so as we decided, we were like, well, maybe we can integrate the audio description so it's not like it's not an afterthought because right. a lot of times accessibility design is something that happens after everything's done you're like okay well we'll we'll put this on top of mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. um and sometimes that's appropriate to the pieces but she had suggested in this workshop blind imaginings that um if you if if accessibility dramaturgy comes on early, it's it's not um, a burden, but it can actually be an opening for mm-hmm. creative discovery. And so we were like, okay, so maybe maybe there's this integrated audio description. And what I found was it when that emerged, I realized that the chorus had come back, mm. and actually the chorus that had always been that had been kind of speaking to me in the beginning so long ago had reemerged and the chorus we call it the land chorus Mm. and it's the voice of the land um and that it was their story that they were telling us Mm. um and so yeah it was this real breakthrough for me because it also connected a lot of texts that were part of the play that we were kind of like well where does this fit and i was like oh no it's the the land has been speaking as part of this play for a long time mm. and and finding that um that was a discovery that happened you know a few months ago and it really for me wove a big idea together mm. and was a really potent discovery wow yeah thank you so much this has been a great conversation This has been a Homebody Productions production.